Welcome to the Three Wise Men of Divorce, Money, Psych, and Law podcast. Sit down with the California divorce experts, financial divorce consultant Mark Hill, psychologist Scott Weiner, and attorney Sean Weber for a frank and casual conversation about divorce, separation, co-parenting, and the difficult decisions real people like you face during these tough times. We know that if you are looking at divorce or separation, it can be scary and overwhelming. With combined experience of over 70 years in divorce and conflict management, we are here for you and look forward to helping by sharing our unique ideas, thoughts, and perspectives on divorce, separation, and co-parenting. Well, it's 2021. And uh, for the three of us, we three wise men of divorce, we say that with tongue in cheek, you understand. But it's sort of true. We, uh, we do kind of know the ropes in a, in a way that many people don't. But I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. And we've discussed what should we deal with in this new year. And among the things we came across was what in the world do you do? When one person says, I am ready to divorce, and the other person says, no way. Well, there's this little problem with marriage, let alone with divorce, which has to do with the fact that you have to kind of both agree to do it. And each one of us has the power legally to end it. Sean? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, it's... it's it doesn't. It doesn't require two people to get divorced. It's not well, like you need what to do have you do then. It just only one of you needs to do it. I I heard of a lawyer who uh, tried and tried and tried to get people on the same page and was told at five thirty in the morning that that was the only time he could. Oh, that was you. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I had I've had my share of folks that maybe one of them's kind of in denial that the divorce is really happening or they, they don't want it. And so they do everything they can sometimes subconsciously to avoid the divorce from happening. So this particular case, I mean, I sent the the husband in this case, it was a noticing not a receipt, which is a document that says, okay, I got the papers. So I wouldn't have to send a process server to serve him. And he refused to sign the papers. And I talked to the attorney that took over. Now he's still refusing to sign stuff. They're going to have to send a process server. He's ref- he lives in the same house with him. He's got the unopened papers on his desk at the house. They eat dinner every night, but he refuses to open the mail because he knows that if he does, it's real. I, that's my theory anyway. Yeah. I mean, we had a case with him where he, you know, he, he would, he would be kind of passive aggressive on the, on the, the video calls. He, he would not be on video. He would refuse to have his camera on. He wouldn't talk. He, he wouldn't participate. And so then he said, well, this is just a bad time for me. And I said, well, I want you to have your best time. When's your best time? Well, turned out the only time he could do it was 530 in the morning on this particular day. So, Mark, you know I am not a morning person. <laughs> <I'm laughing. laughs> because Mark I calls me at 9 not. o'clock in the morning and has the audacity to think that I'm still awake. <laughs> you know? And, and so I, I got up for this man at 5.30 in the morning and got on Zoom, you know, tried to look presentable and dang it if he wasn't there, you know. And, and, and then he gets on 15 minutes late and I think he was like filling his car up with gas and then driving somewhere and the camera was off and 
he wasn't able to concentrate on the call. And that was the last meeting I had with him. And then she left mediation because she was tired of dealing with it. And then she, you know, what's going to happen. She's going to go get a judgment, whether he wants it or not. And he can either participate in the process or somebody else is just going to decide it for him. That brings up the question, what is your best alternative to a negotiated settlement? Yeah, I mean. Right? What, and because the result is going, is going to happen if one of us wants it, you know, to terminate a relationship, a marriage, it's going to occur. So you've now got to think strategically about how you want it to occur. Right. Do you want somebody else to decide this for you or do you want to participate? You know, I have people a lot of times that come into my office and they just don't want to get started. And, and, and I just I've say, seen, well, what, what is she going to do if you don't participate in this? Well, But I've also seen people come into mediation thinking they can manipulate the process and delay oh, yeah. everything because their hope is that if they can just string this out long enough, the other person will come to their senses and come back into the marriage. Yeah, sure. They'll get better. It's like right. they'll, they'll, they'll get better or something. All of a sudden, it'll just go away and, and magical. It's magical thinking, you know. But when you don't, you know how this is, Scott. You're the psychologist here. I mean, if, if somebody is fixated on something they do not want to have happen, what lengths will they take psychologically and psychically to be able to avoid that? I think we all have it in us in various different ways to regress to some form of not necessarily magical, but almost uh, in a soft way of speaking of it, superstitious habit where we, um, where we just think about something else. We just ignore something. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had flying lessons in it. And what you were to do is to heave yourself at the ground. And right before you hit the ground, you were to get distracted. And, and, <laughs> and somehow you would just sort of float away. You wouldn't hit the ground. I think people in the course of, of, of experiencing denial are a little bit like that. Now, when actually, Sean, I'm, I'm not sure if it was you or Mark who originally brought up this topic. But I thought about this topic and I thought, have I ever seen it occur where people really start out exactly on the same page. And that's really rare. I mean, Mark, you were talking about it, and Sean, you also, about people who've been, you know, essentially separated for years and years. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's, it's just so much more functional for them to clean up and tie the ends neatly and, and move well, it's, on. Well, it's easier because they're already functioning successfully independently. Yes. And they know how the money works. And they know how their living arrangements are going to be because that's the way they've been for years. There's been two cases in my career. One, they were separated for, I think, more than 10 years. And the other, it was two, three, four years, that sort of range. And But both of the couples were, were moved on. But and we didn't have, we had a few issues financially that we had to really straighten out. And there was a few disagreements, but it wasn't the normal thing where you have one person who comes in who basically decided two years ago they wanted a divorce and just got around yesterday to telling their spouse who's going, what do you mean? Where did this come from? Right. And, and they need time to get up to speed with where the other person is in order to be able to function in the divorce process. Well, you know, and and so giving a little space there and a little education is very helpful. 
in, in my mediation trainings that I do periodically, we always talk about the Kubler-Rosh stages of grief as a kind of a model to talk about that, you know, the initial denial phase, the, the anger phase, depression, and finally they get to acceptance and not necessarily in that order. And sometimes they right. bounce around. And, and what we find is, is it sometimes if you want to mediate this so that people stay out of court and you don't have to use a judge, it will only go as fast as the slowest person. Right. Right. And there's, we even talk about conventionally, we speak of the leave er and the leave E. Yeah. And, 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 and I have to tell people, I'm sorry, I cut you off, Scott. No, go. I, I have to tell people slower is faster. You know, like we, my dog, I remember when we first got this dog at Puggle, kind of a stubborn little turd, cute dog, <laughs> but stubborn. And when we first started taking him for a walk, he would just set his butt down on the sidewalk and wouldn't walk. And then I, you'd pull on the, you pull on the leash a little bit. And what I learned is that when you pull on the leash, they go the other way. <laughs> and so a spouse can be like that that doesn't want a divorce. If you pull on the leash too hard, they're either going to just sit down or they're going to go the other direction. And so slower is sometimes faster. I mean, what do you think of that, Scott? I think that dealing with resistance of any kind, at least as a therapist, many times we need to join them where they are. Now, a person who is again, like the persons that you were discussing earlier, who is absolutely dead set on not letting this process occur, will avail themselves of as much rope as you feed them to, you know, to say, well, maybe we can, you know, I've had people, I would say, try, try to come back into therapy, right? Hmm. When the marriage was over, it was so over. And just somebody is using that as a, I guess a strategy. And I'm not saying that they had ill will by doing this, but it's just a way to drag it on for longer. Um, so in that case, slower is slower, but. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would actually change what you say just very slightly. Mm. I would say that the divorce can only proceed a little slightly quicker than the slowest person wants to go. Yeah, because you do have to make sure that you put boundaries in place in the mediation process, because we can't compel. I think that's true. I, I so, think we, but yeah. you have to encourage, and you have to, um, I think, set ground rules that makes both sides feel that they are respected, and yet the process will occur. But when you're the leaveor, and you want this done yesterday, and the other person isn't getting off the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, I, I found just clear, consistent, firm communication. This, there is nothing you can do to save this marriage. If that's the truth, you know, I had that happen one time. I had a couple come in and I'm like, is there nothing he can do to save this marriage? He said, well, actually he could do X, <laughs> Y, and Z. I'm like, well, this is a totally different conversation then. But if it's true that it, there is nothing the other person can do to save this marriage, then just very clear in a kind way, but firm. This is over and there is nothing, you know, there is no hope here. It reminds me of that Dumb and Dumber movie with Jim Carrey. <laughs> and remember, he's he's in love with the, the woman 
the the romantic interest. He's in love with her, but she's not so turned on by him. And he's like, so what is the chances of someone like me catching a girl like you? I'm pre-. And she's like, it's like, it's one in a one million. One in a million. <laughs> and he's, and you, and you see him kind of get emotional and you're thinking, oh, he's being crushed. He's like, so you're saying there's a chance that he's doing a dance for happiness because there's a chance. And I think sometimes if you give them just even a little bit of wiggle room that, yeah, maybe something can yeah, happen yeah, here. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to hold on to that and then stay in their denial stage. Yeah, I think think Sean, we have a case like that right now. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking yeah. about it, weren't we? Yeah, we're, we're person just kind, of, yeah, person kind of becomes passive aggressive and doesn't want to move forward. Yeah. I was also thinking of the case where one side decided they perhaps don't want to proceed. You know? Well, we've had we've had other cases oh, yeah. where it's not so much that the person want one person wanted to stay married as. Uh, he or she wanted to be certain that the other person didn't get to enjoy new happiness. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yeah, I see that we've seen that one writ large in the last year. And, you know, there's all these different possibilities for sure. The, 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 the largest portion of people that come to us come in with one person further along in their wishes than the other. Sure. So that gradient, that separation of um, willful, you know, embracing of the process, that's, that's par for the course. You know, and I approach things from a financial standpoint. So I think of risk as a major criteria in divorce. What do you, if a person should sit down and think about what am I at risk here financially? In other words, if I divorce costs money, <laughs> it's not free, but you can increase those costs or you can contain those costs. And if you have the opportunity to approach things in a way that can contain costs, then there's more left over for the two of you to split at a, at a later time. That's so that's what, a, yeah, go ahead. Go, no, you finish. Come in. Well, I was going to say, that's a, that's a crucial point because a lot of times, you know, I, I, it never fails. I have somebody come in. I, I don't know how to get the other person to come into the process. They won't come to the process. They mm-hmm. don't want to agree. And I don't know what to do because they just won't come along. And I just say, you present it to them like you would with your children. Okay. When it's time to put shoes on, you're either going to put red shoes on or blue shoes. But you're going to put on shoes, but you get the choice. So you come to him and say, okay, you can have the litigated divorce, and it looks mm-hmm. like this. Or you can have the uh, the mediated divorce, it looks like this. Or we can do a collaborative divorce, it looks another way. But it's going to be a divorce. Right. And, and uh, you give them a little bit of an opportunity to be able to make a choice. And and hopefully make that calculation that you're describing, Mark. That financial and, and, and emotional that also perhaps can start the journey towards empowerment that can occur through divorce, because so many people who are told <laughs> they're getting a divorce and they're not really ready for it, for whatever reason, you know, when you're in in that kind of mindset, you feel like a victim. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mm-hmm. having it done to me and I'm just a victim. I'm swept away by this tide of divorce. I've got no opportunity to control things. Well, yeah, you do. You've got choices you can make here, my friend. One, two or three, as you just laid out, Sean. 
And and I I think it's important for the the leaving spouse to really work hard to be empathic at that process and journey that this person needs to be on. Um, like maybe that maybe the leave or has already found a new person, you know, and they're just excited to just be moving on. It's hard for them to think about what this person is feeling. They may have felt that before when they were going through their process, but now this person is still there. And just be really empathic and be patient with that. You know, this is really painful for this person. But the question I have for you. Scott, is what happens when the Levy now shifts into the fight or flight mode and we see anger? What 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 is good advice for the person that's um, on the receiving end of that anger? Well, if I you know reflect back on what you just said about the 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 see, there's a whole class of people that we're never gonna see that are never going to consider a mediated option that are just going to go right for the lungs of the other person. And yeah. I used to and, litigate those cases. Yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. And, and the, the, mm-hmm. and, and I have some empathy for those people too. It's like, it's really unfortunate that they don't realize that most of them could probably, we, we, we joke about it. It's like, you know, well, okay, you can split your estate in two and pay some professional fees, or you can split your estate in three and the attorneys get a third. It's up to you. I mean, you can do a, a, a self, you can do a self-divorce too. I mean, that's very inexpensive. Of course, there's a, you know, some skill that you're going to be missing out on, but the rage is natural. The anger is natural. I mean, it, it, but Scott, you don't know what she did to me. You, I when, if a it. judge sees this, they're going to give me everything because this was so egregious. Well, friend, um, <laughs> I have, I have, I have a little bit of bad news for you. Um, at least in the state of California, we've got this little problem. It's called no fault divorce. And no, the judge isn't going to care that she was um, cavorting with the entire Seventh Fleet. That it just doesn't matter. Um, you know, it's just not. A- I, I I want my day in court. I want everybody to know that this wasn't my fault. Now you're talking from the Levy's perspective, right? Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want this divorce. <laughs> she did this to me. Exactly. <laughs> and why and now I'm being asked to pay but even for if I'm the leave-or, I was forced to do this by her. I had to have the four affairs because <laughs> she because of how she cold and, and, and <laughs> okay. And listen, even those things notwithstanding, how is it going to help you to air that in court? Because yeah, no one's exactly. What, well, I ask people sometimes, well, what what do you think that will accomplish for you? Yeah. To What's take the, this to court. The... And they'll say, well, then, you know, the judge will hear this and it'll be on my side. And, I'm gonna, and then I have to kind of yep. let people in on a secret, the myth of justice. And that is that that woman with the blindfold and the scales of justice is actually mythology. Oh, no. The only part of it that's real is the blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's it's just you know you 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 there's that myth of justice to expect justice from yeah. court is like expecting I don't know 
Well, I mean, I, unfortunately, I happen to be a lawyer too, and and the yeah, uh, nobody's perfect. I really want to. That's true for two of the three people on this call. It's it's it's. I mean, it's very hard to convince people that not all elements and not all facts are relevant. And in the case of a divorce, I mean, I mean, you could go down the list. So if do you expect that this will change your property settlement because uh, he was sleeping with the, I don't know, with your friend? Will, will that change? No, that won't change your property settlement. Will it change your custody arrangement? Almost certainly not. Almost certainly but, not. But I'll get frankly, more support, won't I? The, no, it won't change that either. So, the division of the property, the support, none of that is affected by those. You're those trying facts. to tell me I can't use this process to get revenge? No, you can't. You, mm. I mean, you, you can oh, try. Right. No, I want to be, I want to be costly completely, though. If you try, I want to be completely honest with you, Mrs. Johnson, the, you can use it to get revenge, but all of that vengeance, you know, while you are shooting at that other person, I guarantee you, you are going to also hit yourself in the foot because the, the process is going to bleed money out of both of your coffers. And that's really going to be the effect of this. Well, you're, you're reminding me, you know, that, that film, and I, I would recommend it to our audience, that film marriage story that's on Netflix. Have you guys seen that with Adam driver and Scarlett Johansson? It's exquisitely done. Mm. It is great. It is. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they got it right when they described it, but there's that scene where the two of them are just sitting in the courthouse and the two attorneys are arguing and they're just kind of looking at each other. They're completely powerless, unable to speak. Yeah. And this, mm-hmm. this process of court has continued without them. But what started that whole process going awry was his refusal to accept that this was really happening. Yeah. And making plans that were actually detrimental to him you know, letting her move to another state with his child, you know, thinking that this was just a temporary thing and misunderstanding that this was really happening. And then what ended up happening is it just kind of blew up in their faces. So there's there's two pieces. You know, if you're the levee, one thing to do is look at it with patience and try to keep it out of court. If you're the leave or you got to get to a place where you can accept that this is happening and then be mindful of your emotions, right? Be mindful of the rage and the, and the depression is a big thing too. I've had people tell me I'm losing my mind. I can't think I'm so depressed. I just, right, right, right. you know, that, that's a, such a symptom of depression. Um, not, not being able to just function. And, and there's this concept that employers have noticed of, of divorcing spouses. They call it presenteeism. Yes. Instead mm-hmm. of absenteeism, they're they're there at work, but there ain't nobody at work. <laughs> their body is there, but their brain is somewhere else. And and that's going back to what I perceive as cost, too. It ties into that. Yeah. There's a cost in terms. I mean, what if you run a small business or have a you know significant responsibility in your job, and you are not present? <laughs> you're there, but yeah. you're 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 distracted. You have a court hearing coming up. They're terrifying. Yes. You know, I've been through a, a court divorce. And you know what? I 
don't mind public speaking and I don't mind being <laughs> up in front of people, but it's different when there's somebody in a black robe. It feels you are definitely on a different level, both literally and figuratively. Well, and, and also you feel it's that so way. True. It's so true. The, the denial and the refusal to act can be very harmful to you. So, yes. you know, it's, it's like if I say I'm a woman, I do a breast exam on myself and I find a lump and then I'm like, oh, I don't really think that is a lump. And then I don't go to the doctor and I don't do what I need to do to take care of myself. It can, can become life-threatening. The longer you go, sure. the more damaging it can be. And, and, and it's not very different with divorce. If you're not able to recognize that this is really happening and that you need to do things to be present during your divorce it could be very harmful to you, you know? So can we take this one step further? Yeah, go. How, you know, a lot of what I see is a reaction to the way that people get the message delivered to them. Hmm. One of my very early cases, we came up with a lady, we nicknamed her the Screamer. I'm not kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, there was no requirement for me to have a soundproofed office until after this lady found out in front of me that she was getting a divorce. She had no clue. Mm. And he brought her into my office so that there would be somebody there to control her when he told her she was getting a divorce. Oh, how did you feel about this setup that you were? You know, I actually knew these folks for very many years afterwards, because this was back before there was any exclusion from me working with them as financial as a financial advisor so i became both of their financial advisors but and and you know what it worked out well the whole thing worked out well yeah i wouldn't do it today but um you know we didn't have those rules back in the 1990s how much does the soundproofing cost um i don't know (laughs) because we moved offices and i made it a requirement for the landlord and so they put these baffles up above my office and above the conference room so that you couldn't be overheard when oh that's a good idea yeah i don't don't want to be flip about this i in in some of the mediations that we've done we've had people that have gotten pretty incendiary and you know you don't uh, you don't expect people to be all casual and cool about about divorcing. It's a hard thing. It's a hard yeah. thing. So how do you deliver the message in a way that the other side can hear it? I mean, because that was the issue for this guy. And I got to know him pretty well. And he's like, anytime I tried to bring it up, she'd start screaming and run from the room. Okay. What am I supposed to do? And, and you know, I talked to a lawyer and I go, God, I don't want to go down that route, you know, and, and he didn't and neither did she. But he didn't have a way to do it. So you're the psychologist, Dr. Weiner. Help us out here. All right. And I am going to take the most lawyerly tack of all (laughs) right now. It's probably the wise one, right? Well, this time it is because I'm going to, it happens to be the truth. Every once in a while, lawyerly is true. The truth is it depends. I mean, there are, (laughs) there are. That's a very legal answer. But but here is the thing. I mean, think about it. There are some people whom, uh, for whom if you tell them that you don't like the way their shoe is tied, I mean, their go-to emotional expression is rage. There are others, their go-to emotional expression is uh, grief and histrionics, tearful, mm-hmm. you know, 
and and this 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 poor lady you're describing who who screamed i don't know if she was screaming in grief or rage or what but no I, it, it was in it was in grief and it was yeah. sort of grief driven histrionics the way you described it, it fair enough accurate okay so um i i i personally don't find that to be in any way inauthentic it sounds like that was what she was really feeling and it sounds like there's no way you're going to go through telling this lady that her marriage is ending if she wanted to keep it that isn't going to persist well, she was very religious and she believed that god didn't want their marriage to end i mean and that was a big thing for her and well, as i say i knew her for 15 or 20 years after this and um you know, she came to terms with it, but it was still she felt that from a religious standpoint, it shouldn't have happened. You know, you know that's that's very common. Believe, it's one thing to believe that, but the behaviors you are citing do not in, in any way necessarily connect to that. I mean, a person could have that religious stance, for instance, and with total composure and dignity say it is so wrong. It is I, so I, to do this. I have some experience with this because I'm a religious person myself and, and um, the folks that I run around with. And sometimes I used to get uh, referrals to these cases. Guess what? Religious people get divorced just as much as anybody else. And, um, you know, you can have that just be very frank. Well, okay. This is what you believe that God doesn't want your divorce to happen, but is he, going to get divorced anyway there's that you know yeah. it, well, one it, of the, one the of person the, that's really going to decide this is not going to be god it's it's well, going to yeah. be your husband if he wants this divorce hmm. you know and that doesn't mean that you can't have a good relationship with your deity and right. and in your belief system and you don't have to want this but it sounds like it's going to happen and it doesn't reflect upon you. You could even let that, you know, you tried everything you could, even if it's totally not true. Right. You, know, you tried exactly. everything you could and you did your very best, but you know what? He has his agency. He can choose how he's going to live his life. Mm -hmm. And he's chosen that he doesn't agree that God wants this marriage to stay together. So now what? Most, most religions that I'm familiar with do not ascribe to uh, complete determinism. They uh, subscribe to some form of free will and that yep. other person has the free will to precipitate this, you know, regardless. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for, for that, for that lady, Mark, that you, that you're describing, I mean, <laughs> people's behavior patterns aren't, going to change mm -hmm. to meet my wishes for them to be peaceful and civil. They just aren't. I haven't been able to arrange that. I've been trying to do that as a therapist <laughs> for 40 years and they won't do what I want. You know, this, this, if I had had a normal relationship with that woman in terms of I did her divorce and then it was terminated, I would have presumed that she never would have gotten over this. And the reality was she did. Now, she had her challenges. She didn't open mail. She lived in a bit of a fantasy land, especially surrounding her money. But at the same time, she did come to terms with it. 
And she came to a good relationship with both her ex-husband and her two daughters. And, you know, she, she really did overcome it, but it took her years. Yeah. It took her years. And I mean, it was a struggle. And she would even still get emotional talking about her husband sometimes yeah. 10, 15 years later, you know. Well, and, and you don't have to take that grief away from them either. No. no, you know what I, I do in a situation like that is like it sounds like you know I just let them finish their screaming. And yeah, then, well, she got very calm and very serene. Right, about that's what it, happens, which was interesting. You know, she still had the same feeling this this should never have happened. You know, that God didn't want it, but she understood it was His choice. But even and like she during, understood that it's not a bad person because he chose that. That's that's the point she got to. But I, it took her 10 or 12 or 15 years. But even in those meetings, like I've had those meetings where you have the screamers or the people that are really upset yep. and, and, and want to throw things and stomp out. And you just kind of, that anger can only last so long. It's a high burn rate. And then psychically, they kind of relax after they get that out of their system. And I, I just put my hand to the other person, just let this work out. They can scream all they want. And then if, at some point, there's going to be a pause in the action. And then I'm going to say, it sounds like this is really hurtful to you. Well, you, you and I, by, by we, we work in a very uh, accepting right. office. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like this is really hard for you. Yep. And um, I can't imagine how you feel right now. But um, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then start just asking these reality testing questions. Well, you know, give it a little air time. Give it a little time. Let it let it let it just kind of dissipate in the air. And I'm not saying you didn't do that, Mark. I'm just talking. I'm just kind of thinking myself that what would I do if I had somebody screaming bloody murder? And and I've had these situations and and just kind of. Well, this occurred very early in my career. This was yeah. You probably didn't very first half dozen or dozen cases. And it was, and my partner in the wealth management firm that I was operating out of was came in afterwards like, "What is going on?" Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the way people well, usually reacted when they came to look at their well, accounts. Thank kind of like what's, you know. what Scott was alluding to. It does it does help to have uh, colleagues that are understanding. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're my office with Scott and and another attorney here. We we. Uh, we kind of understand what it's about. <laughs> yeah, look, it, everyone has to get used to people chasing people down the hallway, trying to stop yes. them getting in the elevator and leaving in the middle yes, of a session. Yes, yes. <laughs> or, or just let them go. They'll come back. Partner going, what, did you just announce a bear market? What is it? <laughs> well, you know, that's it. when I first started mediating, my partners were litigators. And um, I remember my partner coming like really worried because there was shouting going on, you know, and I'm like, they're just, um, processing stuff. And, and that's it. You know, the work that we do, which I think is a little different than what our litigating colleagues do, is we really get into the muck of humanity. We roll our sleeves up and just get into it. Yep. And, yep. And, and, and that's okay. And we let that happen because it's part of these And it's hard process. to let happen for me yeah. because I'm trained to fix it. Right. I mean, my job is to provide you give me A, B, C, and D. Well, we've obviously got to do this. Well, that's the you know, attorney. That's reaction. my job. That's yeah. what you are hiring me for. And so it's powerful and wonderful to me to have a Scott in the room where I mean, not, I've sat not a there. person from Scotland, but no, Scott. but a Scott Weiner, <laughs> esteemed colleague I, in the room. Because it's the kilt, it's the kilt you know. <laughs> Thank God this is Zoom. 
Um, and we can only see people from the waist up. Uh, but, but, but I've been in situations where I've seen the couple going at each other and my anxiety or my natural reaction is to jump in and fix it. No, 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 no. We don't need to do this. And I've watched the psychologist let it go because it had to happen. Uh, I gotta say, there are there are some. You know, thank you for the kudo and all that. I mean, sometimes you have to intervene, right? We oh, we, absolutely. We've got, we've but got a couple. But where, I intervene too quickly by default. I mean, Scott remembers me learned. slamming my hand on the table with this yes. couple. Like, yes. stop it! <laughs> <laughs> but did it work? Yes. Well, for the moment, <laughs> it was great. It was great. Oh, come on. I just said, I said, hey, and I just slammed my hand on the table and all of a sudden everybody got quiet. I'm like, okay, that's a lot of money. No, no, I mean, it's a new year, folks, but, but that happened last year and, you know, 2020 was a difficult year, but when he slammed his hand on the table, one of the participants, uh, one of the mediatants, medians was being incredibly out of line oh belligerent belligerent talking uh, over people yeah talking over and outrageous um, behavior yeah outrageous and full of it i would never yell at somebody in a mediation unless it was a mediation skill i was applying it was it was a strategic this was the most mild-mannered lawyer you've ever met in your life (laughs) (laughs) off so hard on that person and frankly um what it really what really needed to happen in that moment was just that because it was almost like you stepped into the role of a um sort of a like an ersatz parent of a kind where all of a sudden this person needed needed uh that person's behavior regulated and it really did work and you shifted right into a kind tone as soon as you slammed it down after, you know, and. Yeah, you can't stay there. You, you get the shock moment. You can't stay there. And then you need to go. No, no, no. Because no. it becomes after judgmental. That, the process was mm-hmm. actually quite civil. Yeah. Yeah. But this yeah. was a guy that was in denial. Remember, oh, yeah. he was he was in his anger stage. He was not thinking clearly. His he his resources in his mind were not all available to him. True. True. And so you know, we're professionals. This is what we do. You know, and and I come back to the question, well, what do you do if you're the person that is the object of this anger? And you're usually you're living in the same house and you've just announced you want a divorce. And then this person is turning into a terrorist all of a sudden because they're in this anger stage. You know, and I I can say all I want. Well, I'm, you know, be patient. They'll come around. Mm -hmm. But when you're living in terror because somebody's crazy for a while. Well, that's, uh, that's the time when it's probably appropriate to have a move out discussion. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. Uh, we, we've done cases together where the valence incre- improved dramatically when one of the persons oh, we got just out had of the one. house. We yeah. just had one. As soon as they vacated the house, all of a sudden the tone, the whole the case tone changes. But well, you know what else? When you leave the house, it's real. Yeah. To both of you. You know, if they, and if there's somebody in denial, they won't be in denial anymore. Because you're That's not right. there anymore. You've left. I mean, I'm not saying we do it like one of the cases I had years ago. She left and took everything out of the house, didn't even leave him a toothbrush. All of it was there was the old <laughs> bath mat in the bathroom. That was the only thing left. He got the picture. It was over. You know, but I don't saying you take go to that extreme, but 
But you know, things that you can do. Accounts as well. She did cleaned them out. Didn't even leave them half. Took it all. Yeah. And you know that was an outrageous case. But um, you can do things though that do send a clear message. This 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 is really over. This prompts another theory. What you're saying now, though. I mean, I can't let this pass. Go this, ahead. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, this is, it's kind of a rich vein of thought. Is a certain amount of this passive aggressive reluctance and all of that, um, in a sense, a lack of affirmation that this whole thing is real? And that when you when you so vote with your feet, mm-hmm. that all that 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 shifts the ground. Well, it's the ultimate reality test. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think also just filing the petition. I was going to say that can be a I huge think moment. Yeah. One thing I've learned is to get the court documents done early. Mm-hmm. It makes it more real to everybody. We have luck, the luxury of being a little more passive in terms of filing the necessary financial forms and, and, and in, in the alternative dispute resolution process, at least within the county we practice, because we get 12 months before the judges are even going to call us to task and ask what's going on, as opposed to six months in a litigated case. That's, is that still true, Sean? Oh, it's more like three months if you're lucky in a litigated case and six really? months in yeah. a mediated case now, yeah. So the tendency is to say that, to let the clients know they're in charge of the time frame and the yeah. process, and if one wants to go slowly. But what I've learned is that getting that financial court form signed under penalty of perjury makes it real and tends to move the case yeah. along more quickly. That that well, and also just getting the case number. Yeah, you know, you yeah, have a so summons now that says you're being sued in two languages. Yeah. And that there's a divorce coming that wakes people up. Now, sometimes the fear response comes in when they see things like that. So in mediation, we have ways of doing this. So it's not as uh, 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 triggering for people, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but but you can do it in a way that makes it absolutely unambiguous and clear. There is nothing, sir, you can do to save this marriage. So that takes us full circle, if you think about it, mm-hmm. where we started here, which is discussing what about what, are, you know, what, happens when we are uh, in a circumstance in which one person really doesn't want it. What about that? And this may be the ultimate answer is that, well, once it becomes actually real in this kind of way, then you can actually get people to one table, one venue or another to begin the process. But there's a way you can do it. I mean, you can do it either deftly and kindly and empathically with patience, or you can do it with a sledgehammer. Yep. And I find that the doing it with the sledgehammer breaks a lot of stuff, you know, but, but if you're able to just be patient and, and move just a little bit faster than that person wants to go, (laughs) we can usually do this in such a way that you can stay out of court and and not hate each other when it's done. When I was served in my fancy office when I was working for the brokerage firm by a biker with chains and boots who shows up (laughs) in the reception area with other, I didn't have clients, but other people around, I get a call, I get called out. Mark, there's somebody here to see you. I I don't have an appointment. Um, I think you better come out, Mark. I walk out there. There's people, other clients of the other brokers in the office. He's 
about four foot 11, maybe, maybe five feet in boots with the chains hanging. He drops this onto a little glass table in front of this poor little woman who's who's waiting to see her broker and says, buddy, you've been sued. Turns around and walks out. What a jerk. I have to take that, carry <laughs> that back into my uh, office. And, you know, nobody knows what you're being sued for. That did not make for a smooth and easy divorce. No, that's kind of a jerky process yeah. server. Yeah. Yeah, there's ways. I mean, we like in California, we can do. Uh, I can send a really nice letter to the other party, the one that's kind of resistant, just saying, "Hey, I've been hired by your wife or your husband, and and you, it's probably not a huge surprise to you that they're asking for a divorce. I think you've had these conversations before, and uh, she's filed for a divorce. And here's the petition and summons, and here's a piece of paper that you can sign that says that you received it, so that we don't have to send a process server, and we'd really like to talk to you." So that we can do this in a in a in a amicable sort of way, and 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 that kind of letter is opposed to you've been sued, buddy. Right. <laughs> it, it's a different experience, right? Because I mean, if I've been sued, what do I need? I need to protect myself. Yeah, I need adrenaline. An aggressive is gonna, lawyer to to stand up yeah. for my rights because I'm being sued. And you're going to hire the saw, shark who's got the billboard that guy on the billboard. Yeah. Right. I saw that guy on the billboard. He's going to kick that guy's ass. Right. He's, gonna, he's got the biggest billboard in the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there. I mean, we. There's every town has the the, the shark yes. that everybody knows, and, and there's a firm here in town that have billboards all over the place, and they're very. I mean, I got to give them credit. They're honest about what their marketing pitch is. They're they're there to make the other side miserable and to go after them and be tough and awful in court, yeah. right? And. Um, yeah, if you want to hire that, then you deserve what you get. As an older man, I have seen those firms come and go in town. Oh, yeah, they go in and out of town. Yeah. 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 But there's all, there is a need for them, obviously. Well, somebody's hiring them, right? Somebody's hiring them. In fact, I have just one. I thought I was going to get another one case that came from a firm like that where yeah. they were getting nowhere. You know? When I got to say, most of those firms do a terrible disservice to their clients because they uh, only have hammers. Yeah. And if you only have a hammer, you're only going to see nails everywhere and you're going to break stuff. And there's other tools available. They just don't make them. Don't utilize them. They don't yeah. utilize them. It's kind of unfortunate. Well, well guys, gentlemen, we've done it again. We did. We, we did. did. Um, what, 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 what's the line that by the click and clack brothers used to be? You've wasted you, another, you wasted another totally wasted another good hour of your life. Right, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked that show. I oh, love that so show. Good. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Mark, they want to talk to you about their money and how to, how to preserve as much of it as they can during their divorce and, and plan for their future. What should they do? Contact my firm, Pacific Divorce Management. Uh, go to my website, www.pacpacdivorced.com, all one word, and uh, give us a call or uh, fill out the contact form and uh, let's chat. And Scott, if they need some coaching so they can figure out how to talk to this person that's in denial of their divorce, who should they call? What should they do? Well, if they wish to call me, they truly, truly could. My name is Scott Weiner. And I practice in Solana Beach, California. And I answer my own phone at 619-417-5743. 
and I will be glad to discuss these issues with you at your convenience. And Sean? And if you want me to slam on the table in front of your spouse's face. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He doesn't do that. Except I don't do that with everybody. <laughs> no, in fact, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work with him, and I, I, I look forward to seeing that at some point. I, I feel like I've missed out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I try to be, I try to be kind and gentle. It's I try shot. to be kind and gentle, but if you if you need help with any dispute, not just a divorce dispute, but any any dispute where you're you're having trouble reaching an agreement, we're available at WeberDisputeResolution.com. WeberDisputeResolution.com. That's Weber with one V. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Three Wise Men of Divorce: Money, Psych, and Law. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. Leave us a review and share with others who may be in a similar place. Until next time, stay safe, healthy, and focused on a positive, bright future. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Every family law case is unique, so no legal, financial, or mental health advice is intended during this podcast. If you need help with your specific situation, feel free to schedule a time to speak with one of us for a personal consultation.